0: Man, it's good to be back. Sometimes after a sala, it seems like it's been a month since we've had church, which sailas are a great thing, but man, when you're away from your family, it's always hard, right? And you guys are the family. We're the body. I'm scooting this up. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, yeah. So Christy mentioned we're in a new series. We're launching a new series called To Tell You the Truth. TTYTT for short, or like a Y sandwich. Some of you will get that later. It's all right. I was looking at it. I'm like, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Heather, what does that TTYTT stand for again? I know we decided in the teaching team, but it's all about the promises of God. And the promises of God are absolutely foundational for our lives. And I want to preach to you this morning about a promise that is critical that we download into our hearts and our minds and our spirit, our soul, if we're to walk this walk with Jesus successfully. I want to talk to you this morning about our identity in Christ. And the fact of the promise is that you are a child of God. And I think we know this, those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we've heard the term, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must become like a child. We've heard that term. And we know it intellectually, but has it dropped the 18 inches from our head to our heart? I don't think it fully has in my life, and so if I'm just preaching to myself this morning, that's fine. But I think the word of God has power, and it's going to go forward and uh, good soil is ready to to hear that word and produce some fruit. Amen? Amen. So a couple Sundays ago, we were uh, in our series Renew. It was a short two-week series at the end of June. We started on Father's Day, last two Sundays in June. And I was able to preach that last Sunday of June to kind of close out this series. And I, I ended with a story of the disciples on a boat. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Okay, a few of you. Let me recap for you. So after the resurrection... Uh, Jesus had appeared to the disciples once in the upper room, but they were still scared out of their minds. They're hiding out. Jerusalem is in chaos. It's in an uproar. And, and so the boys are, are scared out of their minds. They're, they're hiding out. And one day, Peter just kind of snaps. He's had enough. And he says, guys, I've had it. I've been locked up like in this room for days. I've got to go fishing. Who's coming with me? And so a bunch of them, they went back to their former identity. is interesting as fishermen, and they, they went out on the boat and started fishing, and they fished all night long, and they caught absolutely zero fish, interesting, I thought these guys were good, I thought that was their career, huh. so the sun's coming up, they've got to be exhausted, for those of you, I don't know if any fishermen out there, anybody fished all night long before Kip has. Did you catch something? Yeah. Okay. You at least caught something. These guys, nothing. And there's a bunch of them on a boat, and that's their, career, their former career is fishermen. They catch nothing. They're exhausted, probably grumpy. I would be if I'd stayed up all night long and didn't, wasn't successful. And the sun's coming up. They're about 100 yards from shore. They're about to pack it in, call it a day, go back out to hiding. And they see a man on the shore. Now, they're not close enough to the shore to see who it was, but they hear the man's voice. And the voice called out to them and said, Pahidion, Pahidion, have you caught any fish? No, they yelled back. And the voice told them to try the right-hand side of the boat. And so they did. And in that moment, when they shifted from the left-hand side to the side of power, the right-hand side, You remember the story. They caught more fish than they knew what to do with. Their nets filled with the abundance that only Jesus can bring. And in that moment, one of the disciples recognized the voice from shore. Still couldn't see the man, but he recognized the voice. John recognized the voice of Jesus. Pahedion. Have you caught any fish? Pahidion is the Greek word for children. Jesus was yelling from the shore, Hey, kids, did you catch any fish? Pahition, did you catch any fish? Children, did you catch any fish? And it was John that recognized the voice of Jesus first. He was tuned in to the voice of the Father. Do you know why I think this was? I think that John knew that he was a child of God. I think John, maybe more than any other disciple, knew that he was loved unconditionally and fully by Jesus. Let's pray before we go any further. Father God, man, we're just grateful to be in your house today, with your people today, with your family today. God, I pray that you would remove any distractions, any disturbances, so that our hearts can focus fully on you as our Father. Father. God, bind any spiritual attacks, any demons in darkness that would try to invade this place right now in the name of Jesus. They are not welcome here. Only your light is allowed here to invade our hearts and minds and to change us and to make us more and more and more into followers of you. That's our goal. That's why we're here and we're not sleeping or having brunch somewhere or out on the golf course. That's why we're here today, Jesus. We're hungry for you. We are hungry for you. We want to hear a word from you because if we hear a word from you, then everything changes in our life. And you love it, God, when your people are hungry for you. So God, just show up today. Speak through me. I'm just a microphone, God. We want to hear the voice, your voice from heaven. The word made flesh. It's in Jesus' name that everyone prayed this and said, amen. Let it be so. Amen. So a couple, I guess it was three Sundays ago maybe, was Father's Day, somewhere around there, three or four Sundays ago, and my guy Daryl Hedman was drumming that w- weekend, and uh, he was drumming here today. I love, Daryl, I love it when you drum, man. You, you are awesome, not just because you're talented, because you worship Jesus when you drum, And anyway, he wore a shirt that Sunday. That's awesome. And afterwards, I snapped a picture. I think you can see it there. Now, a couple of things before I talk about the shirt. One, it looks like he's about to stab me or somebody else. Two, dude, your shoe game is on fire. That's, you're awesome. But the shirt, man, best dad ever. And as soon as I saw that that morning, I knew, I'm like, I've got to use that in this illustration coming out because I was already thinking about this. Best dad ever. Sarah, who, who, I'm, I'm assuming you bought the shirt. Maybe Daryl bought it for himself. That's, that's confidence right there, bro. Daryl is the best dad ever. See, here's the thing. If the Apostle John, going back to him, if the Apostle John had a t-shirt like Daryl's, it would say this. It would say, best disciple ever. Best disciple ever. I'm confident of that. And he would have purchased the t-shirt. He would have made his own T-shirt. Because John, he wrote five books in the Bible, and John writes this about himself. When he refers to himself in the Gospel of John, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. The disciple Jesus loved. Best disciple ever. I've always thought, I don't know about you, I mean, I know the Word of God is inspired and everything like that, but I always thought, John, dude, that's a little arrogant. That's a little prideful. Like, out of all the disciples, John was so confident that he was the one that Jesus loved most. Have you ever thought that before? I I don't know. I just, sometimes I think about those things when I'm mowing the grass. (laughs) Best disciple ever. Dude, come on. Really an arrogant thing to say. But you see, in our human minds, when we see something like Daryl's T-shirt, or we read something that John wrote like that about himself, we automatically think that if Jesus loved John the most, that he loved the other disciples less, right? I do. That's what our human minds think. We think about it as though there's a limit to the love of God. Hello? There's no limit to the love of God. There's no shortage to his love and his kingdom. I've used this illustration before. It's like Niagara Falls. That's the love of God. If you're standing under Niagara Falls... No matter who you are, it could be all of us, it's pouring down on us. It doesn't end. It gets you soaking wet from head to toe. None of you is dry. That's the love of God. It just keeps coming and coming and coming, and there's enough for everybody. Everybody all time, or that ever will be, that's created in the image of God. There's enough love for everybody. But the question is, are you standing under that waterfall? See, here's the truth. This is what we need to download from our heads to our hearts. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. You are the one that Jesus chased down when he left the 99. Now, I always thought growing up in Sunday school, because I became a Christ follower at a young age, which is awesome. But I always thought that, man... I'm one of those 99 that's safe in the pen. And Jesus is just chasing somebody else down. No, that's missing the entire point. I'm the one. You're the one. You're the one that his reckless love went and chases down every single day. Are you you getting that? Are you downloading that? You're, You're not in the pen. You're the disciple that Jesus loves. The person that's driving right now listening on the podcast. You are the person in the fourth row here who doesn't think that they are. You're the one that Jesus loves. See, we have an easy time believing for other people, their identity in Jesus Christ, don't we? But we have such a harder time believing when it comes to ourselves and receiving really that identity. See, this message is about you and I fighting For our our identity. Absolutely fighting for it. You're the disciple that Jesus loves. See, the devil, we, we have an enemy. He's real. The devil doesn't want you to understand your true identity. Because if you do, it's game over for him. Well, the game's actually already over for him. But less fruit will be produced. You were the disciple that Jesus loved. See, I think the reason that God inspired John to write this about himself so boldly and unashamedly was to send you and I a message about our identity. These aren't just words. This isn't just a clever label or a hashtag that John came up with. We need to view ourselves the way John did. We need to become so fixated on one voice that we can say, unashamed and with bold confidence, that's me. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And that anything comes against us, we say, no, no, I'm the one. I'm the one that he chases down. I'm the one that he loves. I'm proud of it. I'm going to make my own t shirt like Daryl. I'm the one. And see, John was so fixated on the voice of Jesus that he could recognize his voice in all that chaos that was going on, couldn't he? See, one of the biggest problems that we face in our culture is that we have too many voices coming at us. Amen? Television. I don't watch a lot of television anymore. Um, But when I do watch television, the one thing you will rarely, if ever, see me watch is the news channels. Take your pick. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever. Whatever your flavor is, I'm not buying it. They they just drive me bananas. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch them. That's your thing. But the panels on there with like the four, five, six people, they're like talking over each other at the same time, like make me want to scream and throw my remote through the TV. And now ESPN is just as bad. Like, I thought ESPN used to show sporting events. And now all day long they've got, like, these talking heads. Right, Phil? It's ridiculous. (laughs) And then you have social media, right? Voices, opinions, commentary. All this stuff is coming at us. We're bombarded with voices. And it's no wonder we have a hard time hearing the voice of Jesus through all the noise. But you know one of the worst voices that we face? Take a guess. Yourselves. The voice in your head. Worry. Negativity. Anxiety. Fear. Doubt. Anybody heard those voices recently? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. I have. I battled a lot of anxiety last month. I didn't always win. These are voices that we must actually fight and battle every single day. This is a real and powerful, the most powerful battle for your, your head because the enemy's not going after your head. He's going after your heart, but he's going to get there through your head. We need to fight back. Please, don't, please hear me. I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm not saying don't use social media. Those things can be good. I'm not saying don't have thoughts in your head. (laughs) What I'm saying is if you want to hear the voice of Jesus, and I think you do, evidenced by your attendance here this morning, that you need to turn off the commentary and turn, turn up the truth. You need to turn off the noise and focus on one voice. And there is only one voice of truth. His name is Jesus. Our guide John testified to this in John 14, verse 6. He recorded Jesus saying this. You know this verse. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. Even if you're listening to his voice, if we have so many other voices speaking at you, it will muffle the sound of the Savior, and you won't be able to hear him. You won't be able to recognize him. See, here's what we need to do. We need to identify every thought that comes into our head and our heart, and if it doesn't line up with the truth, if it doesn't line up with the voice of Jesus, then we need to capture that thought, like actually make it a prisoner, and and not just destroy it, but we need to make it obedient to Christ. Check this out. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, the weapons we use to fight with are not the world's weapons, but they're God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds. He's talking about those places in your head and your heart that are are built up against Jesus. We destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. That means you need to turn whatever it is off that's contrary to the voice of Jesus and make that voice obedient to Jesus. It's time, my friends, to destroy some strongholds that are in your head and your heart, to pull down some obstacles that have been raising up against Jesus that are in there. You you can be a believer and have that in you. It's a constant, it's weeding your heart. It's making sure that that soil is ready and fresh for his seed, his word. That's called renewing your mind. I'll just use the example of anxiety. When you have a thought of anxiety, you need to take that thought captive and say, no, that's not the truth. That's not from Jesus, because the truth is, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? A few things. No, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with a lot of thanksgiving, thank you, let your requests be known to God. And then what? And then the peace of God will do what? Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, now I'm not just taking that thought prisoner. I don't want to end up with some maximum security prison of all these prisoners. I want to change the prisoner's life. I want to make those prisoners obedient to Jesus. So now I'm making those anxious prisoners obedient, and they become peaceful prisoners. They're not prisoners anymore, and now I'm free. I'm forcing that thought to obey the voice of Jesus. But see, in order to be successful in this fight, we must know what? We must know the truth. We must know Jesus. We, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And to do that, we must fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. We must be engaged in his word. We must spend time with him in prayer, not just talking, but listening. My grandma always said, you got two ears for a reason. God gave you two ears for a reason. Because you should listen twice as much as you should talk. We must be engaged with him. We must choose to experience him over everything else. Let's go back to the story of John for just a moment. So John heard the voice of Jesus. Before anyone else on that boat heard it, John recognized his voice. I already said John wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John, one of the Gospels. He wrote three letters, first, second, and third John. And he wrote the Revelation of John. But I absolutely love how John begins his writing in the Gospel of John. He starts at the beginning. No no offense to any other gospel, but they started at Jesus' birth. John takes it way back to the beginning. He says, John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the Logos. This is capital W, Jesus, The Word, the Logos. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Just to make sure, we're clarifying here. Jesus was there, his integral part of the Trinity, in the beginning. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light wins every single time. He continues, the true light gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is mind-blowing. The creator comes and puts skin and bones on and comes to this dusty ball of earth that he created to visit those that he created in his image. And we couldn't even recognize the creator. But there's good news. John continues, says, yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right, check it out, to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, capital W, Jesus, Logos, became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. I love the message. says Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And John says, we have seen his glory. Remember, he was up there. He was one of the three up there on the Mount Transfiguration with Peter and James. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word, the word word being described there in John 1-1 is logos. It's the Greek word logos. You've probably heard that before if you've been around church for any a length of time. And in logos, that's a title or a name for Jesus, the word made flesh. Let me go a little deeper here just hang with me for a moment. I'm just going to go John Piper for a second. This is when you study the actual Greek language. This is this makes me excited and wants, want to bounce up here, but when you study the Greek language, logos means the thoughts of the father, okay? expressed through the spirit and evidenced by Jesus the son. It's literally describing the Trinity. God has the thoughts He's, he's expressing through the Spirit, evidenced in flesh by the Son. That's Logos. Okay, keep, keep that, download that. You might have to chew on that for a few days. But Jesus is the living Word. He's the living Logos. Remember Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word, the Logos of God, is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, I barely got that out. This isn't just a book. These words are living and active. The word is powerful. When God speaks, creation happens. When God speaks, nature explodes into obedience. Multiplication happens. See, that's why in in Isaiah he says that when my word goes forth, it bears much fruit, it doesn't return void. It doesn't come back empty-handed. It bears much fruit. Think about that. Is fruit a singular event? No. Fruit has seeds in it to bear more fruit, which bears more fruit, which multiplies into more fruit. Are you, are you getting the picture? When his word goes out, when he spoke at creation, it's still multiplying now here today. Thousands of years later, creation started with his voice, his word, the Logos. It continues with his voice, his word. But see, in the beginning, remember, we listen to the wrong voice. We're so easily distracted. So easily distracted. Even in this moment right now, we're distracted. We're listening to other voices in our head, on our phones, I don't know. But we have an accuser. We have an enemy. And he took God's words in the beginning. And he's still doing this today. He twisted them against us. Remember the garden? He said to Eve, did God really say that? And he's still doing that today. He's twisting the word of God. He did that to Jesus. But Jesus didn't fall for it. Jesus tells this parable in Luke about seed, which, which is the logos of God. He has to explain the parable. Let me just summarize it for you. There's this farmer, he's scattering seed, and it falls on this different type of soil. And some seed falls on the path, okay? The people, that represents people that have heard about Jesus, but the devil takes it away, he twists the word. Some seed falls on rocky ground, that represents the hardness of people's heart. It can't penetrate that rocky ground, And it might grow for just a little bit of time, but there's not enough of a root system to support it. That's why we talk so much about the condition of our hearts. That's the good soil that needs to be there. Other seed falls among thorns. And and it grows for a little while too, but the thorns, the cares of this life, the other shiny objects, they choke out the good seed, the logos, the, the word of God. But thankfully, some seed falls on good soil on good hearts and it it goes down deep and it bears fruit see if our hearts are grounded in the truth if our hearts are open to the voice of jesus above all else then the seed of logos the seed of the word of god the voice of jesus it will fall on good soil in us and it will grow and mature into fruit and that fruit then does what it has seed in it that reproduces John recorded Jesus talking about fruit in his gospel. In chapter 15, he says, this is Jesus talking. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches, those who remain in me. Another translation says, abide in me. And I in them will produce, what? Much fruit. Jesus is saying, remain in me. Be faithful to me. Abide in me. Experience me. Be plugged into the vine. You're a branch that's part of this big vine, this, this body of plant. And your job is to produce fruit. But you can't do that unless you're connected to the source. See, that's how you hear his voice. That's how you know that you're a child of his. If you remain in him, if you abide in him, if you're experiencing him. I love when God repeats himself in his word. I, I almost fell out of my chair the other day when I saw this. I have to back up for just a moment. In May, in the, the series Straight Street, if you remember that, uh, I preached a message um, in that series, and I used this verse as the key verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths. Straight, remember that. That word "acknowledge" is the Hebrew word "yada." It means to know. It doesn't mean hi, you know, wave, wave at you, fist bump, whatever. No, it means it's better translated "experience," him. And the first time that word "yada" is used in in the Bible is in Genesis. It's, it says, "And Adam yada Eve." Remember, he didn't fist bump her. <laughs> he didn't wave at her. No, Adam experienced Eve. Adam became intimate with Eve. Adam, yada Eve. He knew her. Am I making sense? He experienced her. So that's what Jesus says, that's what you need to do to me. Experience me. Not just acknowledge me. You have to become intimate with me. Experience me in the deepest way possible. So check this out. John writes in 1 John Verse three, verse one. He says, "See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us what His children, and that is what we are." But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. That word "know" is the Greek word genosko. People who don't belong to don't recognize Him though, that they're God's children. Do that because they don't genosco him. They don't know him. The first time the word genosco is used in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 1. It's talking about Joseph and Mary. They just, Joseph had just had this encounter with an angel about Mary. Because remember people were accusing Joseph that that was his baby, not Mary's baby in, in Mary's womb. And so the angel had given Joseph this dream or encounter. And Matthew 1, 24 says this. When Joseph got up from sleeping as the Lord had commanded him, he married her, he married Mary, but did not genosko her. He did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. God repeated himself in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Genosko means to know especially through personal experience, firsthand acquaintance, to experientially know, to become intimate with. Our heavenly Father is saying, don't you realize you don't realize that you're my child because you don't genosco me? There's only one way to know that you're a child of God and that's to fully lean on Him, to fully experience him, to fully encounter him, to yada him, to genosco him. Am I making sense? experiencing Jesus over everything else. It's the only way that you'll fully understand how much your father loves you. So that's when I fell over in my chair when I saw that. He calls you his child, his son, his daughter, because that's who you are. Most of us, even as believers, though, are not walking in that identity. You and I are made in the image of an eternal God. Like, just think about that for a second. You are the only part of creation that's made in his image. Dolphins aren't. Trees aren't. Everything else around you isn't. But you are. And you're unique. You're special. You've got a piece of the image of God that no one else has. If you have children, you, you know you love your children individually and differently because they represent different pieces of you. And God is looking at you and he says, I want you to experience me as a father and lean into me because that's who you are. You're, you're a child. It's no coincidence in my mind that the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who knew he was a child of God, was given the responsibility for writing the book of Revelation. And in John's Revelation chapter 12, he says this. He says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's Satan, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down, thank God. They, that's you and me, overcame him, that's Satan, by what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Watch this. In Colossians, it tells us about, uh, about Jesus on the cross. It describes what was happening in the spiritual realms. It says, he, Jesus, canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The King James says, so picture this, the accuser, since the garden, we've fallen away from God. We're... we're We're separated from the Father. And the accuser has these legal charges, because we listen to the wrong voice, he has these legal charges against us in the spiritual court of law. And what happened on the cross, why the victory is already won, is because Jesus took his blood, and in the King James it says, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us. The the picture is painted in the Greek language that he took his blood and he, like, whitewashed the legal charges of our enemy. The testimony, the word that came against us hello? The word Logos, Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, takes his own blood and smears it on that legal document. There's no more charges. He's paid the price. Do you understand what this means? Do you do you understand what this means? The adoption process is complete. Yes, right. You've been reunited with the Father. You're his son, you're his daughter. You were bought with the highest price that love can buy. The decree against you is completely covered. The testimony against you has been scrubbed with his blood. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of, the te- of the, your testimony. The blood of the lamb, that's what's been done for you. That's your legal defense. The word of your testimony, now that's the word. That's Logos, Jesus working through you. Now, hello, you're on the offense. Is anybody downloading this today? That's the Logos, that's the word of your testimony being witnessed through you. That's evidence of him in you. You're now declaring him in your reputation, your testimony, your witness. That's you abiding in him, experiencing him, Yadah him, genosko him, and then you produce fruit because of that. And the word in you multiplies, fruit multiplies everywhere it touches, not because of you, no, but because of the word, Logos, Jesus, in you. John says this in 1 John 1. That's how he starts his first letter. Similar to how he starts the gospel of John. He says, we proclaim, we proclaim to you, the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now, and now we testify. And now we proclaim to you that he is the one with it, who is eternal life. Do you, do you know once you know him and experiencing you, you know who you are. You are a child of God. And now that you realize that, now that you realize that you're not one of the sheep in the sheep pen. You're the one. You're the one that he's chasing down. And once you know whose you are, you can testify and proclaim about him. You can let the Logos, the word, speak into you and produce fruit out of you. Hello? Now the vineyard is connected. All because as a son and as a daughter, you heard the voice of the master and you obeyed. Remember the story we started out with? The disciples are out fishing. Stranger calls to them from shore. Pahadion, children, have you caught any fish? I wonder if John in that moment flashed back to an earlier event in the ministry of Jesus. One day the disciples are standing around and they're having an internal debate. Similar to churches, I'd say, in the 21st century. Not focused on Jesus, just debating with each other. Hmm. And they said, hey, who's the greatest, Jesus, who's the greatest of all of us in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, he didn't say anything. And he called a little paheadion, a little child, over to him. In the middle of the disciples, there's a little child. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth that unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, like little Pahadians, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little Pahadian, this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That word humble in the Greek means full and utter dependency. See, I think that's why John in his letters refers to you and me over and over and over again as little children. Because the disciple that Jesus loved understood who he was. It's not a popular thing or desire to be completely and utterly dependent, is it? We actually, from an early age, learn how to be independent. But Jesus says, no, unless you're like a little child, completely and utterly dependent on me, you don't really know me. Complete dependence requires leaning fully into Jesus. It requires yada. It requires Janosko. It's placing all your weight on him, in all your ways, experiencing him. And then he'll make your path straight. You know, we started off this year, 2018, with a series called Miracles. Anybody remember that? I want to give you a miracle update. There's a picture going to come up. (laughs) That's little Cash. She is here today. She's in the back. That's her daddy, David. I want you to look at her. Look again, her father. Complete and utter dependency. That's the way Jesus wants you to look at him and allow you to hold him and lean into him with all of your weight like a little child. Jesus is saying, you've got to turn from any dependence on yourself. Remember, he told Nicodemus, you must be born again with complete and under dependency on me, your father. See, we don't recognize him because we don't do that. We don't fully experience him. John says, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children because that is what we are. Do you hear his voice today? Because he's calling you from shore. You know, John was so fixated on the voice of Jesus that he recognized it in the midst of that chaotic moment. You think any of the other disciples on that boat were looking at the man on shore in that moment? No. No. They were hauling in the biggest catch of fish they've ever caught. Their nets were breaking. The boat was sinking. But John was still stuck on Pahadion. When he heard the word children from shore, something jumped in his spirit. Pahadion, that's who I am. That's me. Children, that's Me, the voice, it's the master, Peter. Forget the fish. That's Jesus. The disciple that Jesus loved knew his identity. Would you stand up with me for a moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment. Do you know him? Do you hear his voice? Maybe you've never turned from him. Maybe you've never been born again and experienced what it's like to become a little child. If that's you this morning, or maybe you've just turned away from him. You're leaning on your own intellect. You're leaning on your own person. You're not leaning fully on Jesus. If that's you this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed, focused on the Father, just raise your hand in this moment. You're saying, Jesus, I need to fully surrender to you. I need to come back to you. I need to be born again. I need to experience what it's like to be a child of God. And with eyes like cash looking up at your Father, just say to him in your heart, I turn to you this morning. I'm putting all my weight, all my focus on you. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. And if you do that in this moment, Jesus has taken his blood And he's whitewashed the testimony against you. And now the testimony in you of the word of God, the logos of God, is going to go forth out of you, producing fruit for the kingdom of God. You're connected to the vineyard. You're connected to the vineyard. It's the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Jesus, break through the hearts right now that are hard. Soften them. You're calling from shore, children. I'm right here. I want to know you. For anyone else in here, maybe you're already, you've made that decision, but you're like the other disciples. You're having a hard time hearing his voice. that's you in this moment you know we always need to renew our hearts and surrender more to him every single day it's it's an issue of weeding our hearts so I just ask you to open your hands up this morning to the father it's just a symbol of you opening your hearts up to him it's saying God I'm ready I'm opening up the doors I'm ready I'm ready for heaven to fall in my life, I'm ready for the word for Logos to be planted in my heart so that I can remain in you and abide in you and bear much fruit. This faithfulness thing is hard, Jesus, but I want to hear your voice. You're calling from shore. Yesterday, we had a rafting trip with the men's group, the, the men and boys of 37, and there were 17 of us floating down this river. we're just being carried by the current for four hours. Remember Moses? In order to save Moses, his sister and his mother, they made that little basket for him and they pushed him out into the river. Can you imagine that moment as a parent? Can you imagine sending a little cash out into the river? And trusting God that completely? That's what God is asking you to do. To open up fully and completely 100% of your heart and your life to him. Complete and utter dependence on him. You can't hang on to anything. You're just in the current. But once you're in the flow, oh, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. Because you're experiencing him. Him. You're moving. You're going somewhere. The Spirit is moving you down the river. And His water's touching those trees on the side, and it's producing green things and fruit. And it's just flowing. His voice is moving like it always has since the beginning, since the moment He said, Let there be light. It's just moving. And going forward, his word is not returning void. Right now in this moment, God is doing things in your heart. A thousand things maybe that are exploding. His creation is coming out of you. Multiplication will happen. The kingdom will be advanced because of this moment. Because of you fully surrendering to him. And if that's you, if you're saying that, just open your hands in this moment. Look up to the father from your heart. Just like Cash looks up to her father. And saying, God, I want this heart to be good soil. Take any weed, deal with any weed, pull it out right now. I want to bear good fruit. I want to be connected to the vine. I want to let go from shore and let you fully carry me down the river. Listen to me. The Father is speaking back to you in this moment. Let your heart receive these words. Receive these words. He's saying, you are the disciple that I love. You are. You are free because of Jesus. And if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. You've been ransomed. I blotted out that testimony against you, and now you're a testimony for me. You are chosen. You are the one. You're not in the sheep pen. You're the one I'm going after. I'm chasing you down. My love is falling on you over and over and over again. You're not forsaken. No, you're not. I'm right there. Jesus is saying, I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm for you. Somebody needs to hear that today. I'm not against you. I'm for you. Download that into your heart. I'm for you. You are loved by the greatest love ever. Paid a price, the highest price ever. And you are child of God. So declare it. Sing it out. Proclaim it. Witness to it. Testify to it today.